Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another Philly Sports Power Hour with your boy, Bill Calarulo. What a wonderful Monday morning it is. We keep saying it every single day, but this is such a great time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. We got the fighting Phillies going for a two-sweeper in Atlanta to hopefully come back to Citizens Bank Park to only have to win one game to win that series. And we're sitting here. 5-0 and with our Philadelphia Eagles after a dominant performance in Los Angeles yesterday. So we got a great show today. As always, it's a power hour. So we're going to focus on the Eagles in the first segment, and we'll talk a little fighting Phillies in the second segment after the break. But guys, I appreciate you all here. Let's engage. I want to see all your comments. JM, what's up? Decoy Gaming, how you doing? Wine, Niners, wine. Good to see you again. We're going to talk a little bit about the 49ers dismantling of the Dallas Cowboys. What's up, Just? Yep, hit that like button. Let's hit that share button. The more Philadelphia sports fans we can reach, the better. What's up, Peter Doty? How you doing? As always, go Birds. You know it. As always, go Birds. So, guys, if you're not already following, make sure you're subscribed to Jacob Sports for the Philly Sports Power Hour and all the unbelievable shows we have. And if you're not already following me at Legal Hands to the Face on Instagram and Bill Calarulo on Twitter, head on over. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, whatever you feel like doing. But let's jump right in to this dominant performance by this Philadelphia Eagles team yesterday. And I'm going to keep it positive in the beginning, but there are things they need to clean up. Because the final score, 23-14, could have been even worse if this Philadelphia Eagles offense was better in the red zone, which we will talk about. How you doing, Chuck Hutton? Good to see you, man. But we will talk about that red zone. But I want to keep it positive in the beginning because we are sitting here 5-0 and coming off of a Super Bowl loss, which is not easy. And we've talked about in previous shows, you have to give credit to Nick Sirianni for the culture that he has built in this Philadelphia Eagles locker room. Because coming off of a Super Bowl loss, it would have been very easy for them to come out to a slow start and lose football games. Have they played their best football the first five weeks of the season? No. But at the end of the day, what are they doing? They are winning football games, and they are getting better every single week. And yesterday was not an easy game. That is not an easy game going on the road, flying cross country, playing against an L.A. Rams team that's been playing pretty well, especially on the offensive side of the football, throwing the ball, which has been a weakness on this Eagles defense. And what we saw yesterday was by far the best 
performance by our defensive coordinator in his short time so far here in Philadelphia. What I saw from Sean Desai yesterday has me very excited for the future of this Philadelphia Eagles team and, more importantly, this Philadelphia Eagles defense because Sean Desai outcoached Sean McVay and Mike LaFleur yesterday in that second half. Really impressive by Sean Desai. Coming into that game, this Los Angeles Rams offense was number four in the NFL, averaging 393 yards per game. They were number two in the NFL in passing, averaging 289 yards per game. And they were doing that without their wide receiver one, Cooper Cup. So coming in on a banged-up Eagles secondary with the number two passing offense in the league, getting Cooper Cup back, what the Philadelphia Eagles defense did was remarkable. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? No idea what happened there. It looked like my camera disconnected. I have the broadband, JM. I pay extra for the good internet so I could come to you guys with no issues, but no idea what happened there. But I am back. I think I was just so excited about what this defense did that the camera couldn't take it. But I was talking about Sean Desai and what he was able to do against this Rams offense that was number two in passing yards coming into this game number four in total yards coming into this game. They were averaging 393 yards per game. The Philadelphia Eagles held them to only 249. They were number two in passing, averaging 289, and the Eagles hold them to 195. But what was most impressive was what they did in the second half. The Rams did absolutely nothing in that second half. And I think a lot of times we overblow what happens in the locker room at halftime. People talk, oh, you got to make adjustments. You got to make adjustments. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles made adjustments yesterday. Holding the Rams to only 80 yards of offense in that second half, only 50 yards in passing. 15 of them, I think, came on that last drive. That meant nothing. And they had zero points. On the Los Angeles Rams, Five drives in that second half. Punt, 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 turnover on downs, end of the game. A really incredible performance by this Philadelphia Eagles defense and Sean Desai, our defensive coordinator. And leading up to this game, if you follow me on Instagram, Legal Hands to the Face, I was posting some videos, and we talked about it here on this show as well, that we needed the Philadelphia Eagles to be better on third down, getting off the field on third down. And coming into this game, the Eagles were 25th in the NFL, allowing teams to convert 46% of the time. They even let the Washington Commanders, who were the 31st team in the league on third down, convert 8 of 17 for 47%. And this Rams offense was pretty good on third down coming in. Eighth in the league. In the first half, we saw more of the same. And I was yelling at the screen from our defense. They let the Rams go 5 of 7 on third down, converting 71% of the time. And I'm saying to myself, here we go again. This defense cannot get off the field on third down. Well, they come out in the second half, and they hold this Rams offense to 1 of 7. They only allowed them to convert one time on third down in that second half. That was the difference in this game. And when we talk about the offense, what they were able to do on third down was also incredible, and that's where the Eagles won this game, on third down. Good teams get off the field on defense on third down, and they convert first downs on offense. And the Eagles did that on both sides of the football yesterday, especially in that second half. And if you were watching the show last week, one of the personnel in that secondary that I wanted them to get off the field 
in addition to Josh Job, was Terrell Edmonds at safety. And a lot of that was due to injury last week. Justin Evans was out with a neck. Sidney Brown was out with a hamstring. Well, Justin Evans comes back this week, and he played 100% of the snaps at that safety position. Terrell Edmonds didn't get a single defensive snap yesterday. So clearly the Eagles felt the way we did that Terrell Edmonds wasn't cutting it at that safety position. But Justin Evans plays 100% of the snaps, and he played pretty well in that secondary for this Eagles team. And that's another great find by Howie Roseman. Justin Evans was promising coming into this league, was a second-round draft pick of the Tampa Bay Bucks out of Texas A&M. Had a promising rookie season, but then injuries got him. Was never really able to get healthy. Had a decent year last year for the New Orleans Saints. Little under-the-radar signing by Howie Roseman, but he steps up big, plays really well yesterday. And how about Bradley Roby? We weren't sure if he was even going to play in yesterday's game. Were they going to dress him? He just got here. And he plays 45% of the defensive snaps. He was targeted four times, two catches, negative four yards. Really good job by Bradley Roby. And I thought what was the most impressive play is there was a play, and they showed the replay on television, and you may remember it, where the Rams ran a motion. And Bradley Roby and James Bradbury had to switch coverage on who they were going to cover. That takes communication. That takes playing with each other for a significant amount of time to be able to pass off receivers like that. Roby and Bradbury did it seamlessly in that second half. So really impressive stuff. Bradley Roby, a veteran. He's won a Super Bowl. Let's hope he can help contribute to that secondary because, once again, Mario Goodrich didn't look great. Did not look great. Eli Ricks, he didn't look great either. These are young players. They have a lot to learn. But Bradley Roby looked good. And then let's talk about our defensive tackles. I have never seen a rookie as good as Jalen Carter for the Philadelphia Eagles. What he is doing is so incredible. We knew he was going to be good. A lot of people knew he was going to be good. I don't think there is anyone who knew he was going to be this good. You can't say you knew he was going to be this good. This kid is right now has to be the leader for defensive rookie of the year. What he is doing as a rookie, I've never seen it before. Maybe you could compare it to what Aaron Donald was doing, to what Gerald McCoy was doing. But he is disrupting interior offenses what they're trying to double team them it doesn't matter but the question mark coming into this game was no Fletcher Cox Fletcher Cox was playing over 70 percent of the snaps coming into this week Jalen Carter hadn't played more than 50 percent of the snaps in any game how was he going to do playing that many reps well yesterday he plays 70 percent of the snaps a majority of Fletcher Cox's reps went to Jalen Carter and he dominated picking up two sacks yesterday, forcing teams to have to double-team him, which opens up everything else for your defensive line. Just really remarkable stuff by a young player. Baby Rhino going to make a big difference in the center of that defense for hopefully a long time. And then you look at the other defensive tackles, you got to give credit. Milton Williams, he stepped up, played a lot more reps in this game. 
Jordan Davis stepped up, played more reps in this game. And even Contavious Street, another under-the-radar signing by Howie Roseman this offseason, Contavious Street played 29% of the reps with Fletcher Cox out. He's a solid fifth rotation in that defensive tackle. You had no Marlon Tupolotu, no Fletcher Cox, so Contavious Street was going to get some reps, and he played well. He did his job. He played decent. But the real thing that I wanted to see coming into this game along that defensive line, and we talked about this last week, was Hassan Reddick getting back to the Hassan Reddick that we saw last season. And Reddick goes off with two sacks. It's his first multi-sack game since the NFC Championship when he knocked Brock Purdy out of that game. And since Hassan Reddick has had that cast removed from his hand, he has three sacks. And I don't think that's a coincidence. You have a guy like Reddick who loves to use his hands, loves to try to create leverage to then get speed around the outside. He gets that cast off. He has three sacks in two games. So this defense, if they're starting to get into form, especially from those edges, watch out. Because if you got Jalen Carter in the middle of that D, go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. 
Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. like that but we are back my apologies let me fix the camera a little bit but uh yeah this camera is pissing me off this logitech camera it should be working but we are back just give me one sec all right so appreciate the patience but uh yeah, this Logitech camera is getting returned tomorrow because I don't know why it keeps turning off. I don't know why it keeps turning off. But talking about Hassan Reddick, talking about that dominant performance by that Eagles defense. One negative I had with that defense was, again, missed opportunities for turnovers. Nick Morrow, twice in that first half, had opportunities for turnovers. Let's the interception go through his hands. And then that fumble, I was yelling at the TV on that fumble, jump on the ball. Just jump on the ball. Don't try to scoop and score. Jump on the ball. When you're going to play some of these better teams, you cannot miss opportunities like that. We saw it last week. Terrell Edmonds dropping the interception in the end zone. You have to make turnovers happen when you get your opportunities. But let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball because as impressive of a performance as it was by that defense, what a performance by our offense. And I said this was the best game I've seen Sean Desai call from the defensive coordinator. I'm skitting. You guys are getting no audio? Can you guys hear me? There's audio. All right. Thanks, JM. I'm seeing no audio, but you no, you can hear me. Okay, cool. Eric R saying no audio, but we are good. So, but as good as this call was on the defensive side by Sean Desai, I thought this was the best performance we've seen from Brian Johnson as a play caller. And we're going to talk about the red zone because that obviously needs to get better. But you look at the offense. And this Rams defense was not a bad defense coming in. We talked about it last week. They were the number nine defense in the league, only giving up 296 yards per game. They were the seventh best passing defense in the NFL, only giving up 185 yards per game. And this Philadelphia Eagles offense went off 454 yards of offense. Jalen Hurts, 300 yards passing again. He was 25 of 38 for 71%. And Jalen Hurts, you may have heard the people talking all week about how he has not looked like the same guy running the football. 
hasn't looked as quick, hasn't looked as elusive. Well, he showed it. He showed it yesterday. 72 yards rushing on the ground, and he had some big runs in some big moments on third down. There was that one, I think it was a third and nine, where he put his foot in the ground, took on contact, and just kept going. Makes you a little nervous. You don't want to see Hurts get hurt. But when he adds that element to his game, and he can throw for over 300 yards, watch out because this team and this offense are unstoppable. And there's a guy they got involved that we've been screaming for them to get involved, and that was Dallas Goddard. Coming into this game, and we talked a little bit about this last week, it wasn't that Dallas Goddard wasn't getting the receptions. His receptions through four games were pretty similar to the receptions he had through four games last year and the year before. In 21, he had 13 catches. In 2022, 16 catches. So far in 2023, he had 13 catches coming into this week, but it was the yards per reception. It was the play designs. He was only averaging 6.77 yards per reception, whereas last year and the year before, he was averaging close to 15 yards per catch. But you saw the Eagles make a concerted effort right away to get Dallas Goddard in the mix. He has eight catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown, and he averaged 14.6 yards per catch. That's what they have to do with Dallas Goddard, is get the ball to him down the field. Get the ball to him in open space. He is so good at yards after catch. His ability to rack up yak is one of the best things about him at that tight end position because he's such a big body and he can block so well in the running game. But when you put the ball in his hands, he's such a playmaker making people miss and his ability to get the ball down the field. It was really good to see them get him involved yesterday as well. So you had Jalen Hurts throwing the ball. You had Jalen Hurts running the ball. You had Dallas Goddard involved. And then A.J. Brown, he likes to say he's always open. This guy is always open, has his third straight 100-yard game yesterday, six catches, 127 yards. And last year, A.J. Brown set the Philadelphia Eagles' single-season record with 88 catches and 1,496 yards, broke Mike Quick's record with now 1,496. Well, after five games, A.J. Brown's on pace for 119 catches and over 1,800 yards. He is having one of the best starts to a season in Eagles history. And this parallels what T.O. did back in 04, what A.J. Brown is doing. But the most impressive thing on that entire offensive performance yesterday wasn't the passing yards, wasn't A.J. Brown, wasn't Dallas Goddard, wasn't DeAndre Swift. It was what the Philadelphia Eagles did on third down. Coming into this game, the Rams' defense was the second-best defense in the NFL getting off the field on third downs. They were only allowing teams to convert 27% of the time. That was the second-best third-down defense in the NFL. And the Philadelphia Eagles went 13 of 18 for 72%. 72% on third down yesterday against a team coming in that was only allowing 
27% conversions. That's what won the game for this Eagles team. They got off the field on third down on defense, and they converted at an unprecedented clip against this Los Angeles Rams defense. Good teams stay on the field on third down on offense and get off the field on third down on defense. And when we talk about what good teams do, good teams score points before the half. Good teams score points before the half. Watch NFL football and watch how your better teams find ways to get points on the board right before halftime. And the Philadelphia Eagles get the ball yesterday with only 32 seconds left in the half on their own 25-yard line. They had three timeouts. But I, I think there's some coaches in this league that would have been content going into the locker room 14-10. And what did Nick Sirianni do? Stayed aggressive, trusted his players, and in 32 seconds, they go right down the field. You know they were hoping for a field goal, and they put up seven points before the half. That is demoralizing for a Los Angeles Rams team to go into that locker room down 17-14 as opposed to being up 14-10 with only 32 seconds left in that half. I'm curious what you guys think in the chat. I mean, how many NFL coaches do you think would have sat on it with only 32 seconds left from your own 25-yard line. And what a catch by A.J. Brown over the middle. And we were talking about Dallas Goddard's ability with yak yards after a catch. I'm not sure I've ever seen a wide receiver as good as A.J. Brown is after the catch. He has the ability – to get open on every play. But then once he gets the ball in his hands, he's like a running back. He's like a linebacker with how physical he is. He's so difficult to bring down. Just a great, great drive. 32 seconds, only four plays. And then the brotherly shove at the one-yard line with only two, two seconds left on the clock. And that's another area where they stayed aggressive because they're on the one-yard line, two seconds left, how many coaches are kicking a field goal there? But not many coaches in the NFL have the brotherly shove on their offensive playbook that's converting as well as it converts for this Philadelphia Eagles team. And I see you, Mike Tobin. Appreciate you weighing in. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the red zone because that is the one negative with this team. But before we get there, let's keep the positive going for a little bit. Time of possession close to 38 minutes for that Eagles offense, holding the Rams to only 22 minutes. And that was huge yesterday because when you're going up against a Rams offense who can throw the football and you have not been very good at a defending the pass, keeping that Rams offense on the sidelines was big. And winning that time of possession battle was important. And they didn't just win the time of possession battle. They dominated the time of possession battle. But now let's switch over to some things. And don't get me wrong, I am sitting here and I am happy that the Philadelphia Eagles are 5-0 and to start the season. I am very happy with how they have improved every single week. The coaches have gotten better. The players have gotten better. Jalen Hurts has gotten better. But there is still an area they need to improve on, and Mike Tobin hit it in the chat, and that's their red zone. And I was hopeful that this week was going to be the week that they got their red zone problems fixed. 
because they were going up against a team that has not been very good in the red zone. Coming into this game, as good as the Rams' defense has been, they were really bad in the red zone. This Rams' defense was the 26th defense in the NFL, allowing teams to score touchdowns in the red zone 70% of the time. And that's been an area the Eagles struggled the first four weeks, only converting 46%, putting them at number 24 in the NFL. So you were hopeful coming into this game that that was an area that these Eagles could get going against a bad red zone defense. Let's get our red zone offense going. But they go two for six for only 33% in this game. Numbers get a little bit skewed. They weren't trying to score at the end. But even two for five is not good enough. When you go to that stretch of the season where we have to play these really tough teams, you got to convert in the red zone. And what you cannot afford to do in the red zone is commit a turnover. Jalen Hurts, as well as he played, you know he wants that throwback. Tried to force it. No need to take a risk there committing a turnover in the red zone. But that's an area they need to get better. You saw Jason Kelsey's frustration on the sidelines. They asked him after the game what that was about. He did say, we're getting frustrated in the red zone. So that's an area they know they need to clean up. I'm confident they will clean up. You look at the other areas of their game, they've gotten better each week. And Jalen Hurts, against New England, only 170 yards passing. Against the Vikings, 193 yards passing. Tampa Bay, 277. And then he follows that up with Washington for 319, and now the Rams for 303. Jalen Hurts looked like Jalen Hurts from the Super Bowl yesterday, outside of that interception. But there's one more decision by this coaching staff, though, trying to keep it positive, but there's one more decision that had me scratching my head. And I'm curious what you guys think in the chat. Quez Watkins. When are they going to realize that Quez Watkins is not the answer at wide receiver three? And I thought that that time had come with Quez Watkins being out for two weeks, local kid Alama De Zakia stepping in and making the most of his opportunities. In two games, Alama De Zacchaeus had three catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. He's averaged over 14 yards in his career. But they go back to Quez Watkins. And I've had my problems with Quez since last season. But he hasn't done much for you this year. And I know the argument's going to be, and some of you Quez defenders in the chat are going, oh, well, he opens up the rest of the offense. I'm not seeing it. When he has his opportunities, he does not capitalize on his opportunities. And there's Wine Niners Wine saying, Watkins is a speed guy to open up the field for AJ and Devontae. Coaches wouldn't pull him off the field. I'm not buying that anymore. Alamade Zacchaeus has the ability to hold defenses accountable. He's making the most of his opportunities. He has delivered when Quez Watkins was out with his hamstring injury. You bring Quez Watkins back yesterday, and I was throwing things at the TV, third and one, and they run a wide receiver screen to Quez Watkins. So here's my problem with that, and there's many of them. First of all, why are you putting the ball in Quez Watkins' hands on a big third down? 
That's number one. And then you look at what Quez Watkins does. It actually was the right play call without the personnel. They had it. It was there. There was good blocking by Devontae Smith on the outside. But what Quez had to do was just cut it up. Behind Devontae Smith, you pick up that first down easily, but he bounces it outside. And you saw how angry Nick Sirianni was on the sidelines when he watched that replay of Quez Watkins. But yet, they keep giving him opportunities. You look at the snap count from yesterday. Quez Watkins comes back after Alameda Zacchaeus has two good games. Alameda only plays nine snaps yesterday. Quez Watkins, 50 two snaps 52 snaps to nine I have a problem with that and I'm curious what you guys do in the chat I see it in the chat NJ fishing maniac Quez runs out of bounds Omar send Quez to Carolina for a third round Chris Quez Aguilar Ooh. Nelson Aguilar didn't have a bad season here that Super Bowl season. So I don't know if I would compare him to Aguilar. Aguilar actually made some big catches. I know we like to laugh about the the drops and that viral video of the dude who was catching babies out the house, catching on fire. But Aguilar actually didn't play bad. But Jalen Rager is a, a worse comparison, and I see you guys there. But don't want to end on a negative Let's end on a positive with this Philadelphia Eagles team. That offense looked unstoppable yesterday, even with Quez Watkins on the field. Dallas Goddard's getting involved. But let's take a little look around the NFL and talk about our 49ers and Cowboys. It's early. It is early in the season. We are only five weeks in, but it is hard not to think that that NFC championship game is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles, and San Francisco 49ers again. And the real question is just, where is it going to be? Is it going to be in Santa Clara, or is it going to be in Philadelphia? Because it looks like these two teams are going to be fighting for that number one seed in the NFC. And that December matchup was already going to be a big matchup after what happened last year in the NFC Championship game. But it looks like it's going to be even bigger now. But what they did, to the Dallas Cowboys. Did that make you think that the 49ers are better than you thought they were or that the Dallas Cowboys are worse than you thought they were? I'm curious in the chat. Do you think the 49ers are that good or do you think the Dallas Cowboys are that bad? And I see Chris saying, did you see Aguilar yesterday? He dropped a wide open touchdown. I did not see that. I was probably doing the pregame show for Jacob Sports down at the Ocean Casino. I did not see that. But what do you guys think? After watching that 49ers dominant performance over the Dallas Cowboys, are the 49ers better than what you thought they were, or are the Dallas Cowboys worse than what you thought they were? And I see Omar saying the Cowboys are bad. Rick Jansen, the Cowboys suck. Monkey Gemini, Dallas is worse. Event rentals near me. Dallas is worse. The real zeal. The Cowboys D is very soft. They would rather run around guys than through them. And I don't disagree. And I know Diggs, Trayvon Diggs being out is a big loss for them. But it was more than that. It was more than that with that Dallas team. And Dak Prescott. We've been saying it in Philly for a while. That he's not 
as good as a lot of people give him credit for. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize now that Dak Prescott is not an upper echelon quarterback in this league. But when you look on the other side to that San Francisco 49ers team, and is our, is our Niners fan in the chat? Do we have our Niners fan in the chat who loves to, loves to troll these shows? But that Niners team is good. Not going to hide from it. They have a very good team. And I was a guy who has been waiting for Brock Purdy to come back down to earth. He's not coming back down to earth. This is who he is. Brock Purdy is a very good quarterback in the NFL. I know he's got talent around him, but you watch these games and you watch what Brock Purdy's doing. He's not just a system quarterback. He's making big throws. He's making all the right decisions. These guys like playing for him. The 49ers got very lucky with Brock Purdy. That kid can play. And just Dadeep is right. Purdy can play. But what do you guys think? 49ers, Eagles, is that the NFC Championship game this year? We're only in the week five, but can we already mark it down? NFC Championship, Niners, Eagles. It's the way it's looking. That is the way it is looking. And Big Ben saying Brock Purdy can't throw the long ball. He may not have the arm strength to throw the ball 70 yards. But B-Sing Sports is correct underneath of you. He doesn't need to. He doesn't have to throw the ball 70 yards. That's not the type of offense that Kyle Shanahan runs. They run a lot of crossing routes. They run a lot of short, intermediate routes. And he makes the right decision. And he can get the ball down the field. Just because he can't throw the ball 70 yards down the field, a 30, 40-yard pass is pretty damn good, too. And he's getting the ball down the field to his wide receivers. You saw what he was doing yesterday. And the only question I have for that 49ers team, and me and Jody Mack were talking about it on Birds 365 this morning, is are they overusing Christian McCaffrey this early in the season? I got McCaffrey on my fantasy team. I love how much they're giving him the ball for my fantasy team. But is it sustainable for a guy to get as many touches as Christian McCaffrey is getting in a 17-week season where you have dreams and aspirations of playing at least, what, three more games? You're hoping for that first-round bye, and then you get the divisional round, the NFC Championship, and then the Super Bowl. So you're talking 20 games at minimum that the Rams are, or excuse me, the 49ers are hoping to play this year. And you're giving McCaffrey that many touches in week five, in week four, even when you're up big. But what do you guys think? Do you think McCaffrey is getting too many touches for that 49ers team? I mean, hey, we don't care as Eagles fans. If he's not around, for the playoff run, that's on you guys. But, And I know you don't want to play scared. I know that. But you also can't be stupid. And that's what I said to Jody Mack this morning, is you don't want to be scared. You don't want to play nervous. But there's a line. There is a fine line before you just get reckless. You don't want to be scared, but you don't want to be reckless. And I think they're being a little bit reckless with Christian McCaffrey. And then let's go to another game. That means something for the Eagles because we have the Jets next week. The Jets were up for this game against the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton. Everybody knows in the offseason, Sean Payton 
what he said about Nathaniel Hackett at being one of the worst coaching performances he's ever seen. Well, he may have been right until this year because what Sean Payton's doing in Denver is probably worse than what Nathaniel Hackett did last year. And the Jets were fired up for this game. And I don't know if you saw after the game when Rob Sala went to shake hands with Sean Payton at midfield. The only thing he said to him was, stay humble. Stay humble. So the Jets were fired up for that game. Do you think that they can beat this Philadelphia Eagles team next week? And we'll continue to break down that game throughout the week as it gets closer. But as we sit here today, yeah, Jets have a good defense. Jets have some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball outside of their quarterback. I just don't think they're going to have the skill at the quarterback position to compete with this Philadelphia Eagles team. But you can't can't take any opponent lightly in this league. We know that. They have a good defense. But, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to switch gears to our fight and fills. But let's appreciate our 5-0 Philadelphia Eagles start. And when we get back, we'll take a look at game one. The Phillies beat the Braves, and we'll look forward to game two tonight at 6.07. Stay tuned, guys. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We wanna be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We just finished up our Philadelphia Eagles talk, 5-0 and to start the season. Could not be happier. And what an amazing time. Saturday night, we watched the Philadelphia Phillies win game one in Atlanta, wake up on Sunday, watch our Eagles go 5-0, and and now we wake up on a Monday, and we get to do it again tonight, game two, Phillies, Braves. But let's just take a quick look back because we haven't had a chance to talk since the game one was on Saturday. What a performance by the Philadelphia Phillies and especially their bullpen. I will admit, when Rob Thompson took Ranger Suarez out of that game after three and two-thirds, when he wasn't really getting hit hard, I'm saying to myself, he's overmanaging this game. Why is he doing this? Keep Ranger Suarez in the game. What's up, Steve Patton? How you doing, bud? But... In Thompson, we trust. In Topper, we trust. I will not question him anymore. He has hit all the right buttons throughout last season to start this season when they struggled. Thompson stayed the course, stayed calm. I will never question Rob Thompson again until he does something that doesn't work. (laughs) But you look at what he did. Ranger Suarez only throws three and two-thirds, and now they have to rely on, and this is why I had the problem with it, you got to rely on six relievers, hoping that none of them have a bad outing. And none of them did. Hoffman comes in, gets a big out. Sir Anthony Dominguez pitches a great inning. Then they turn to Jose Alvarado. He gets out. Doesn't give up any runs. And then they go to rookie sensation. This kid came out of nowhere, Orion Kirkring, who just throws some nasty stuff. Nasty stuff, and we talked about him last week and what a weapon he can be coming out of that bullpen if he can continue to pitch like that. He goes into the dugout, comes out to try to pitch another inning, wasn't really, didn't have his best stuff when he had to go sit down and come back out, but they got one really good inning out of him. Then they turned to Strom, and let's talk about what Trey Turner did in the field to help out our boy Strom. That was... And you tell me in the chat if you remember a better field, excuse me, a better play in the field in the postseason than what Trey Turner did on that play to turn that double play. Do you have a better play in Philadelphia postseason history in the field than that play right there? That was unbelievable. Castellanos had a big play last year in right field, but that was. Trey Turner is worth every penny. I know we had our questions about him this season, but he's gotten the bat going and that glove. Great play. Great play. And what I love, too, about this team was how aggressive they were on the base paths and appropriately aggressive. They weren't just aggressive for the sake of being aggressive. They were appropriately aggressive on the base paths. And what did that lead to? Strider throws the ball over the first paceman's head. 
That then leads to a run. And then how about Turner getting on first? He takes second. He takes third. And that's what results in that catcher's interference for a run. I know they ended up walking the next two batters, but he had a man on third. Real Muto catcher interference. Another run scores. And that's a big run. When you go up 3 nothing. Now, when a player gets on base for the Braves, the tying run's not at the plate. So that was a big run there in the eighth. And the Eagles steal, or excuse me, the Eagles. I'm still on my Eagles talk. But the Phillies steal five bases in that game. Love it. And I see Just saying, I love the base running. Me too. Me too. You can be aggressive on the base, pass, base paths like that. It puts a lot of pressure on that Braves team. A lot of pressure on that Braves team. And you got to give credit to the pitching staff. Suarez, Hoffman, Strom, Dominguez, Alvarado, Kirkring, and then Kimbrell comes in and closes it down, shutting out the Braves for the first time at home since August of 2021. And I see Rick Jansen saying that Jimmy Rollins and Utley was almost the same play what Turner did. I think that was to clinch the NL East, though, wasn't it? Was that in the playoffs? Was that in the playoffs, or was that to clinch the NL East? Rick Jansen, let me know because I thought that was to clinch the NL East. I didn't. I thought that was in the regular season, but I could be wrong. But the Braves team was only shut out twice all year, and they haven't been shut out at home since August of 2021. And this Philadelphia Phillies team shuts them out in Game One. And I said before the game that I had a lot of confidence in Ranger Suarez and the Phillies because that Game One, the Phillies could play loose. It, that was as close to a must-win game for the Atlanta Braves that a game one can be in a series. You were coming off all that negative juju from last season with the Phillies winning in the division series. You're playing at home with your ace on the, on the mound in Strider. The Phillies don't have their ace. You know game two, Phillies are rolling out. Zach Wheeler, and then you'd have to go to Citizens Bank Park. That was a, as close to a must-win as a game one could be, in my opinion, for that Atlanta Braves team. And the Phillies steal that game. Great base running, great pitching, great fielding, and timely hitting. And this Phillies team looks like they are back in playoff form. And now a big game tonight, which I just said game one was as close to a must-win for that Atlanta Braves team. It's not an overstatement. It's an obvious statement to say tonight is a must-win game for the Atlanta Braves. They do not want to come back to Citizens Bank Park, down two games to O. But the Phillies got Zach Wheeler on the mound. And if he can pitch like he pitched in the wild card series, I'm going to get greedy. I want two wins. I only wanted the Phillies to split in Atlanta. I thought if they could get out of there one and one, we'd be in good shape. I want two now. Things are lined up. All the pressure is on this Braves team. And I think they're cracking. I think they're cracking. I think the fact that and if you watch the Chase Utley hype video for the Philadelphia Phillies, I didn't realize that the Atlanta Braves have never beaten the Philadelphia Phillies in postseason history for a series. So I think tonight with Zach Wheeler on the mound, with that fan base, please, Philly, let's appreciate where we are. Could you imagine 
having to live in a city where they don't support their teams the way we do, how quiet was that baseball park? How quiet? They're down 3 nothing. bottom of the ninth. You could hear a pin drop. Could you imagine Citizens Bank Park, how loud that would have been, trying to rally our team, trying to fire up our team? Please. Philly's the best sports town in America. And it's not even close. And it's not even close. But we will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. But before we finish, I want to finish like I always do with today in sports history. So looking at October 9th in sports history, a couple big things happened. October 9th, 1986, Mike Tyson became the youngest heavyweight champ in history at the age of 20 by defeating Trevor Burbick. Who remembers that in the chat? Iron Mike. And then 2004, little baseball, October 9th, 2004, the Boston Red Sox made history by completing their 3-0 comeback on the New York Yankees. They eventually went on to break their 86-year drought winning that championship. But guys, we will be back here tomorrow. Again, sorry about the camera. I have no idea why the camera kept shutting off. It's a brand new camera, but uh, hopefully we have all that fixed tomorrow. I appreciate all the support. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and hit that share button. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Go Phillies.